we are now going to start walking through first and second Peter. So go ahead and turn over there with me. We're going to start by reading verses 1 and 2. And here, of course, is the introduction. And we find who Peter is writing to. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. So Peter is writing to the pilgrims. Of the NASB, it is rendered as those who reside as aliens. Now I want to bring this out because if you're reading from the NASB, I don't want you to be confused. Peter is not talking to those brothers who are marked as brothers walking in air, but rather he is referring to the Galatians who have put on Christ. They are strangers and foreigners. So Peter's main audience is those who were once alienated from God, but now have the same blessed hope in the Lord. So then we move into verses 2. Peter starts to talk about those who are elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, which is talked about in the days of old. If you would, turn with me to Isaiah 56, verses 1 through 8 of Isaiah 56. Here we see the foreknowledge of God giving hope to the Gentiles when they adhere to what the Lord commands. Starting in verse 1 of Isaiah 56, it says, Thus says the Lord, Keep justice and do righteousness, for my salvation is about to come, and my righteousness to be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this, and the son of man who lays hold on it, who keeps from defiling the Sabbath, and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Do not let the son of the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, The Lord has utterly separated me from his people. Nor let the eunuch say, Here I am, a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths and choose what pleases me and hold fast my covenant. Even to them I will give in my house and within my walls a place and a name better than that of sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Also the sons of the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord to be his servants. Everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and holds fast my covenant, even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. The Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel, saying, Yet I will gather to him others besides those who are gathered to him. So we see here God 
is referring to those who have no hope. God says the foreigner who joins themselves to him. We see that from the beginning, God has always had a plan to give the same blessed hope to all. Equal hope to all of his creation. Which is important for us because we are all Gentiles and not Jews by nature. We are the aliens who were once without hope. But now have the blessed hope in the Lord. As it says in Romans 2.11, For there is no partiality with God. Equal hope has always been God's plan. So as Peter is addressing the Gentiles who have put on Christ, they are the elect according to the sanctification of the Spirit. But only when they are obedient to Jesus Christ. And also important to notice, it isn't just obedience. You know, just like nowadays when people say that all I have to do is believe in Christ. Here Peter is saying you have to believe and be added to Christ. Now here Peter isn't talking about baptism with the sprinkling of the blood. Here he is talking about the point when the blood of Christ is poured out for you, which is after baptism. He is talking about how precious the blood of Christ is. How powerful it is. And the purity of it. And so at what point do we receive the precious blood? Because as we know, according to Acts 2 verse 47, only the Lord can add you to his church. So Peter is making reference to when Jesus adds you to his church, then his blood will wash away your sins. And only his blood is pure enough to cleanse you of your sins. Only his blood allows the remission of sins, the forgiveness of sins. Turn with me to Hebrews 10. Verses 4 through 18. This point is being expanded here in Hebrews. That only the blood of Christ can cleanse us of our sins. Starting in verse 4 of Hebrews 10. says, For it is, not, it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sins, you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O God. Previously saying, Sacrifice and offering." burnt offerings, and offerings for sin you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. 
He takes away the first that he may establish the second. By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sin. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. For after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Only the blood of Jesus Christ gives us the remission of sins. To the point that not only does the Father forgive us of our sins, but He forgets our sins. A good example of this, there's a movie, I think it was made in the 90s, called Big Daddy with Adam Sandler. I don't know if anyone's seen it. But anyway, this, this kid just shows up at his door. That isn't his. And he has to take care of this kid. This five-year-old kid one of the next scenes, you see this five-year-old trying to pour milk into a cereal. A gallon of milk is too heavy. He drops it, spills all over the floor, making a huge mess. And all Adam Sandler does is just grab some newspapers and puts it over the top of it. Puts it over the top of the milk and says, see, we're good now. Now, probably every woman in this room just cringed a little bit because they know that that did not actually clean anything it just masked it for a while well that is what the blood of bulls and goats did for our sins in the old testament it more just masked the sin and never actually getting rid of the sin so thank god the father through jesus christ for through the shedding of the precious blood of Jesus Christ, his blood actually cleanses us completely. It doesn't just mask it for a time, but it will cleanse us completely, allowing us a clean conscience towards God, according to 1 Peter 3.21. But you must be in the place that allows you to have allows you the cleansing power of the blood of Christ. You must be recognized by Christ. You must be protected by Christ. And you only have it after being baptized into his body. Or after you have put on Christ in baptism. Galatians 3, verse 27 through 29. 
And this point is made very clear in Acts 19, verses 11 through 17. If you would turn over there with me. That's Acts 19. Starting verse 11. Here we see that we only have the protection of God when we are in Christ. You see that just because we call on Christ does not mean that he will recognize us. What is most important for us to realize is we need Christ to recognize us as his own. Starting in verse 11 of Acts 19. It says, Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the disease left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call on the name of the Lord over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. So there were seven sons of Selah, a Jewish chief priest who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. This became known both to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. So here we see the kind of protection that we need in our life here on earth. As we are fighting a spiritual warfare against Satan. And his angels. We need to rely on God and his strength to overcome such wickedness. And we only have his protection when we are in the body of Christ. Then and only then is the sprinkling of Jesus' blood poured out upon us. And this is what Peter goes on to say in verses 3 through 5 of 1 Peter chapter 1. When we are in Christ, we are protected by him. And he reserves for us such a blessed inheritance. Starting verse 3 of 1 Peter chapter 1. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away reserved in heaven for you who are kept or who are protected by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time thank God the Father through Jesus Christ because he has blessed us so richly. He has blessed us with a citizenship laid up for us. It is reserved for us. All we have to do is travel there. Also going back to the point, point out why Peter calls us sojourners 
and pilgrims in verses 1. This is why we are pilgrims. You know, this is like a king saying, I have everything plus so much more than you will ever need waiting for you. All you need to do is travel here. This is what God is doing for us. He's saying, I have an inheritance waiting for you. It is reserved for you. So nobody can take your spot. It is kept for you. All you have to do is follow God's instructions to get there. But what is so amazing about this inheritance is that it is incorruptible and undefiled. It means it is undisturbed and it can never be ruined. And if that isn't clear enough, Peter continues to say that it will never fade away. But it isn't just an imperishable inheritance. But rather, according to 1 Corinthians 9, verses 25, we are striving for an imperishable crown. So this inheritance means we will reign with him. As it says in 2 Timothy 2, verses 10 through 12, Therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This is a faithful saying. For if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. That was not planned that Chad read this today, but it works out great. So this isn't just any kind of inheritance. This is an undeserved reward. It's undeserved. This reminds me of what David did for Mephibosheth. Turn with me, if you will, to 2 Samuel, verses 9. Or 2 Samuel 9, verses 6 through 13, rather. Now, understanding Mephibosheth was the son of Jonathan, who was the son of Saul. So in these days, he would have been considered a threat to the throne of David. Because that would make Mephibosheth technically next in line to the throne. So typically, the new king would try to take the threat out of the way by killing him. But look what King David did instead. Starting in verse 6 of 2 Samuel chapter 9. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Here is your servant. So David said to him, Do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. Then he bowed himself and said, What is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? 
And the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given to your master's son all that belonged to Saul and to all his house. You, therefore, yours and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him, and you shall bring in the harvest, that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, According to all that my lord the king has commanded his servant, so we, your servants, do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all who dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants of Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he ate continually at the king's table, and he was lame in both his feet. So because of who Mephibosheth was, he was worthy of death. And so as we see, as he came before the king, he was afraid of being put to death. And rightfully so. And so you see David calming him down, telling him not to be afraid. Telling him that your home is with me. David gave Mephibosheth the highest honor of always eating at the king's table. Like the king's son. And giving him the land of Saul, his grandfather. Then look at the response of Mephibosheth in verses 8. Saying, why would you show such kindness to me, who is a dead dog? He's saying, I'm not, I am nothing. Why would you do this for me? And we see why. In verse 7, it was for the sake of Jonathan. For Jonathan's sake, Mephibosheth had a seat at the master's table. Brethren, if it's not clear enough, we are just like Mephibosheth. Going back to the point Peter is making in 1 Peter, we have been blessed with an inheritance to sit at God the Father's table, to eat with Him continually, forever. And as we are a dead dog, you may ask that same question. Who am I to receive such an inheritance? Now I know that I have asked this question myself. Why? Who am I? Well, the answer is simple. It is for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who gave his life and sprinkled his precious blood all over for us. And through the shedding of that precious blood, we have put Christ on in baptism. When we put on Christ in baptism, 
That is when His precious blood will cleanse us of all the iniquity that has stained our souls. And only the blood of Christ can cleanse us. Only the blood of Christ can give us a wonderful inheritance. And now as we are in Christ, our citizenship is awaiting for us in heaven. Because of the sacrifice of Christ, He paid the price that we couldn't pay. Just like Mephibosheth. Could never afford to pay enough to receive the honor that he received. See, the debt that we owe God for the sins that we have partaken in. As it says in Romans 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. That's what we deserve. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Christ paid that debt. As it says in Isaiah 53, verse 6, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And so as Jesus was being scourged, beaten, and whipped, as we also see in Isaiah 53, verse 5, through those stripes, we are healed. And so what, is it, what he is asking of you and me is to store your treasures in heaven. As our loving Savior says it best in Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21. Christ says, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and whether, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So we must realize that this means we keep our hearts and minds on the Lord and His work. Never forgetting that this world is not our home. Just like the song that we're going to sing here in a little bit. It goes this world, I'm going to just read the first verse, or the first stanza. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blues. And the angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel that home in this world anymore. See, as we seek the heavenly inheritance, we shouldn't feel at home here anymore. As our mind is set on our heavenly home, knowing that only when we are in Christ and remain obedient to Him, it takes our hope in the Lord and makes it a guarantee. Amen. As it says in Hebrews 10, Turn over there with me. Hebrews 10, 26 through 31. It is only 
when we remain obedient. Because if we turn away from the Lord, there is no longer any hope for us. <clears throat> Starting verse 20, 26 of Hebrews 10. For if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fury indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose he will be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who says, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So even after putting Christ on, we must remain ever so vigilant to continue to grow more and more in the Lord. Because if we do not, then there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin. Meaning, once again, that precious blood of Christ is not for you. And you are once again dead in sin, without hope, without an inheritance, and having no seat at the table with the king. And that is when it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Brother, may that never, ever be the case. Let us always remember that this world is not our home. That we are sojourners in a foreign land, simply just passing through. Not trying to attach ourselves to this world, seeking earthly gain and wealth, but rather seeking to do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith, Galatians 6.10. So if you are here and you are outside the Lord, this is the time to get right with Him because another opportunity may never come. So if you have not put on Christ in baptism, now is the time to come forward and, and do so. Put Him on in baptism which starts with hearing the word of God, Romans 10, 17, then believing it to be the word of God, Hebrews 11, verse 6, then repenting of the sin that separates you from God, Luke 13, verses 3 and 5, and confessing Christ as the Son of God, Acts 8, verse 37, then being baptized for the forgiveness of sins, Acts 2, verse 38. And this is when you begin to store your treasures in heaven by walking in newness of life, as it says in Romans 6, verse 4. Or if you have already put on Christ in baptism, or, but perhaps you have not been the faithful servant that you are called to be. Perhaps you are no longer storing your treasures in heaven and starting to store them on earth where it's vulnerable to the perils of life. 
Take this time to come back to the Lord and put him first in your life once more. Storing your treasures in heaven. Making that your home. So whatever your need is, please make it known while all together we stand and sing our Lord's invitation. This world is not mine.